0: Okay, buddy. Episode number one. We've never done this. We are starting a podcast, and we want to do we want to do things a little bit differently. Instead of a podcast that's an hour long, we want to make ten minute snackables. Something you can listen to in the car, dropping off your kids. You could exercise uh, while listening to this, and we'd go deep on one subject. That's it. One subject in a podcast. So we're going to tee this up. Let's not belabor the point. Uh, I want to tee this up. We are seeing that relationship signals, so customers on the move are really being consumed heavily by a type of cohort of customer that we actually dreamt of having at Sales for Life, which was professional services. Ironically, it was filled with tech companies. So hundreds and hundreds of tech companies love social selling, professional services companies didn't gravitate to it. But now we're seeing all of a sudden we see Lionbridge, Celestica all these pro-serves are starting to look at relationship signals. Now, I have a theory. My theory is, guess what? When you're in pro-serve, you're in the people business. And that's really the only thing you sell is a people-to-people relationship. And that the reason the professional services firms, which are not traditionally technologically Savvy or investing in a ton of technological things have been looking at this. So I want to kind of pose it to you as you've been training these organizations. Why do you see professional services companies digging in on monitoring customers on the move? I think think the reason is
1: just really simple to understand. And I'll answer it in two ways. The first way is the data is just it's a slam dunk conclusive data point which is that roughly former customers are buying from us three to five times more likely than just a random cold outreach. It's not that the random cold outreach doesn't work. They work, of course, but the former customers, they know you, you can re-monetize the relationship. I mean, Jamie, just look at you and I, like we have customers that we've done four, five, six transactions with in the last decade or so, right? So it really doesn't surprise anyone that pro serves are going to be hyper focused on that type of signal. The other reason is just a little more basic. Like, think about this today with the advent of social media and LinkedIn. All of us, probably most of us listening to this episode are going to have a thousand plus connections on LinkedIn. By the time we retire, God knows what that's going to be. But by the time we retire, that number is probably going to be 10, 15, 20, 25,000 connections just to your LinkedIn. I think about all those relationships just moving around, swimming around. I think
0: that's the core reason, right? Would you agree? Well, it's funny. I, I, uh, m- my wife Rebecca loves watching Saturday Night Live, and there's this thing that happens like once or twice a year. They call it the Five Timers, and the Five Timers when they have like Steve Martin and Tom Hanks come on, they put on a blazer because it's their fifth time being a guest on SNL, and you and I have experienced this, like. I actually have a call on Friday with a customer that if, or if they become a customer, they would be a four timer. And so if you really think about it, if you were to plot the first 10 years of sales for life, a lot of times, you know, we, we talk about all these customers that we served, but many times the people that we served bounced three or four times into different companies. So it was actually like 250 relationships we served in 600 customers. Um, And so what are you seeing on the training side? So I'll give you an example. You're enabling Hub International. Okay, so you've got people who are uh, working in a portfolio in a geographic region, or they've got however they want to break themselves up. How are you seeing them take advantage of relationship signals? Well, the big thing is that
1: There's tons of knowledge out there already on how to get the relationship signals. I mean, just crack open LinkedIn. If you are a smart, savvy, willing salesperson today with the free version of LinkedIn, you can crack the nut by yourself. And of course, if you have Sales Navigator, the nuts kind of pre-cracks for you. But despite that, just Jamie, think about this. If I'm a salesperson today... Think about the demands. First of all, I'm living in a macro environment. There's an all in podcast term, right? I'm living in a macro environment where only about half of salespeople are making quota. That's that probably applies to my company. The pressure is on like it is on and it's fire. Next, you've got these salespeople constantly. Um. Pressure to book more meetings, book more meetings, get face-to-face meetings going in because we're out of COVID now, apparently, right? So there's so much pressure on the sales side that the administrative side is kind of left behind. So, I mean, I've seen it now thousands, probably tens of thousands of times that people with a sales navigator instance of LinkedIn who have training, who have knowledge on how to produce their own signals they won't do it they don't have the time energy willingness whatever you call it they just they don't want to do it so i mean pro-serve companies are in um you know they're sol they're between a rock and a hard place right now because ultimately they've got the pressures of 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 producing a number, their goal, their board is on them for it. It's translated all the way down to, you know, Sally salesperson and poor Sally is out there hustling and just trying to make calls and trying to book meetings. And, and there's no way that she has the time on actually finding hundreds of customers at scale in her accounts. She just, she just doesn't. It, it starts at that kind of sales leader level. Well, it starts at the board level, drifts down to the sales leader level because, you know, problems just get transferred. And now from the sales leader level, it's getting transferred all the way down to the salesperson without anyone really
0: thinking about how to solve for this problem. That's what I'm seeing. I also think it comes down to when you sell professional services and you and I have now done this in two different companies. And it's so different than selling a product. When you go to sell a product, I have something tangible. Like I can demo it. I can open up you know, a Salesforce and show how it works. When you sell ProServe, like for years, I remember struggling really hard to sell social selling mastery. Because they're like, what is it? It was vaporware. I had to sell a story. Or what I would do is actually I'd sell an outcome. So I would show a certification case study. Like this is what Johnny did to book a meeting. But I can't really show you the process to go through it because A, that's the intellectual property. B, it's in a video library. C, it's being translated in live delivery, which you're not part of. Like how do you actually know what this is like? So in professional services, you are selling the belief that you are a trusted advisor, that you are awesome, that you're great. And that you're going to solve somebody else's problem through a service. And the easiest people to sell to are people that have experienced it at least once. So they go into another business and they're like, well, no, Jamie and Amar are awesome. I trust them. They're going to fix the problem internally. They actually have to sell other people in their company. No, no, no believe believe me, they're going to be great. I've worked with them in the past because that's the only thing that they could show because there's no demo, there's no product. So if you really think about it, if I'm in professional services and whatever type of professional services, the first thing that I would do, I'd reverse engineer who's anyone that's ever experienced us and will tell others in a company that work good and I'll focus in on them. And I think that that's also why... Professional services are gravitating to customers on the move. It's, I now have voices inside companies that are willing to go to bat, so to speak, for me, because they're the only ones that are going to believe that we're any good. good. I'll give you an example. Last night, I'm on a call with a customer in Australia. So there are seven other key stakeholders. The CEO's on the call, and he's and I are selling the dream of us, Pipeline Signals on that call. And I'm listening to the CEO sell us as much as I'm selling us. And it's because the CEOs experienced us in the past. And I recognized that if it wasn't for that moment, I would have to do like a big song and a dance to try to convince them that I'm... First, I to convince them that I'm good. Then I can show them some widgets and boobobs in a demo. But ultimately, the first thing that they have to buy into these people on the call is me. Well, that's why I'm just going to leverage. I'm just going to build a map in relationship signals. I'm going to build a map of everybody that ever thinks that we're good or trustworthy or have done great services. And we will lean in on them to be the recommend- recommenders inside businesses. Yeah. I
1: think you've, you've nailed it in that part where ultimately people are going to buy the relationships that they trust. Right. And it's not that the product can't help it's not that the data in itself can't help the data can be quite frankly bought anywhere like you can buy relationship signals anywhere you can buy it from A, B, C, D, E, F, G efg source but it's what you're going to do with that data and that when that customer goes to bat for you holy smokes the world changes as you've said and you've articulated we've experienced it now dozens and dozens of times um Parting thought for me here, because I'm sure we got to wrap up here as a snackable relationship signals. They are awesome, but you've got to get help behind it, right? Because if you're, if you're using that relationship signal in a suboptimal way, you're going to lose the best signal in the world. You know, th- there was a TV show that I, I won't mention who, but back in the day, a TV show where someone basically said something like, you can serve the fanciest steak dinner, but if it's served on a garbage can lid, it's a garbage product. So you can basically take the world's best relationship signal, give it to your salesperson. But if they don't know what to do with it, or if they're just going to, you know, execute a cookie cutter approach, that signal is worthless. You've got to get the right people in. And I think the opportunity for pro serve is exactly that. You got to get that right intelligence, but you got to get a little bit of help on top, or you got to know the best practices to turn it into a positive result. So I'll, that's my last word on that, Jamie.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's because a lot of times in ProServe, the producer is like a subject matter expert. They're not like a, just a seller, like in product based businesses where you build up your BDrs and your SDRs and your AES. No, no, they are producers. Who work the full spectrum of the customer life cycle and they're, they're just experts at a topic. And a lot of times they'll get a signal like that, but they're, they're not, uh, they're not educated on how do I turn this into real opportunity? They just naturally create opportunity because they're an expert. So they need a little coaching on, okay, we, we need the blocking and the tackling of sell. So great point. I hope this was a great snackable and uh, this is what we're going to do. Basically, Amar and I are going to pick out topics, go deep on one topic. Uh, We're still developing the Keatons. How often we'll do this? I don't know, but uh, we'll just keep making sound bites for you.